going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 249 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to preview week three in the NFL from a DraftKings perspective. Going to talk slate specifics, talk some chalk. And of course, leverage, stacks, and long shots. Everything you need to know to win a tournament in week three. Joey, how are you feeling coming into the third week of the NFL season? Yeah, I mean, we're already in week three. NFL season always flies by, you know. We we, we wait forever. We're excited to get to get to get in the groove of things. Then the season just flies by and uh, you lose all your money. No, a tradition unlike any other. You know, yeah, it's something you can take to the bank, which is having nothing to take to the bank after a couple of weeks of of the season. I'm already pressed because I have to miss the vast majority of this weekend's, you know, Sunday night slate due to a wedding. You know, it truly, truly tough scene to kick (laughs) things off three weeks in. Hey, man, it's okay. You know, you got to smell the roses here and there. Some things are more important than football is is what I've learned. Mm, indeed they are and at least it isn't until four o'clock so I, I still got time to to make some lineups just might be slacking when it comes to late swap luckily the vast majority of games are early this week we can dive into slate specifics this is a 13 game main slate with nine games early four games in the afternoon now this slate opened with six games totaled above 50 however three of those games have been bet down we currently have three games with live totals above 50 detroit at minnesota with a slate high 53 and a half buffalo at miami 53 and casey at indianapolis 50 and a half the top five implied team totals on the slate minnesota 29.25 tied with buffalo 29.25 kc 28.25 la chargers 27.25 and philly coming in at number five with 27 joey what is standing out to you this week from a vegas perspective yeah just from you know a total and implied team total perspective we have a lot of good spots to attack we have a lot of good potential matchups this week compared to last week and then when you take a look at the DraftKings slate comparing these totals and whatnot some of the players stand out the pricing is a little bit tighter this week so we're going to have to try and navigate that in cash and in tournaments and try and find some value plays but there's a lot of uh, favorable spots to attack that should produce fantasy fireworks hopefully. Yeah, you know, it's always hard on the surface. We thought last week was going to be a low-scoring week, especially in the early slate, and then, you know, proceeded to see three wide receivers drop 40 spots and, you know, a couple quarterbacks pushing 40 as well. So you never really know coming into a slate, but on the surface, it does look like there are a lot of games that have shootout potential where we could see massive point totals. And at the quarterback position, Talking some of the chalk, I think it appears to be a week where the priority is going to be paying up at the position. Josh Allen at 8,200 looking like a monster play, but the comparison that we're going to have to make is Jalen Hurts at 7,600. These are the two quarterbacks that I think will be most popular in week three. Yeah, for cash games specifically, Allen and Jalen Hurts are definitely going to be the chalk. Just two of the best fantasy quarterbacks on the planet, obviously elite ceilings with both of these guys you are 
getting a slight discount on Jalen Hurts for 600 less at 7600 he's also cheaper than Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and you know below Jalen Hurts there isn't much that is standing out to me so I think Jalen Hurts is going to be the preferred cash game quarterback this week but obviously if you want to get up to Josh Allen you know they have the highest implied team total on the slate one of the highest total games on the slate is that Buffalo and Miami game uh no nobody can blame you but with the $600 in savings I, I think it will make a meaningful difference this week so you're, you're better off just playing Hertz in cash and you know probably just having a couple Josh Allen tournament lineups when it's all said and done yeah, I, I do think that makes sense. On the surface, I would say that I, I think Josh Allen is a better play. You know, if, if we're just talking raw projection, you know, a 1v1 salary not included. But but with the tightness of this salary, that 600 will absolutely come in clutch. So Jalen Hurts is rock solid. I have no qualms about playing him. If things loosen up later in the week and, and we'll see how that goes, maybe Josh Allen will be a little bit easier to fit in. We'll see how that goes. But other than that, are there any other quarterbacks that you think are cash game viable this week? No, I think that the, the cash game pool is definitely these two guys, in my opinion. Uh, wouldn't consider anybody else for cash. I guess the question for tournaments this week is just how consolidated the ownership is going to be on Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, because obviously at the top, there are comparable ceilings that we can find. Lamar Jackson, 8K coming off of nearly 50 points. Mahomes in a great spot this week. Justin Herbert coming off of 10 days of rest. In tournaments, what is piquing your interest at the quarterback position? Yeah, I think that there's definitely a lot of good options at the top for sure. You know, you have your choice of elite quarterback on this slate, which we didn't have on the week two slate. So, it's going to be interesting to see if we see the field gravitate towards some of these cheaper quarterbacks with the amount of options that we have and with the pricing relatively tight. Over the first two weeks, we have seen cheap quarterbacks win tournaments. Obviously, last week it was Tua. The week before, it was Carson Wentz and uh, Carson Wentz also had a good game last week and Jared Goff, etc. So I guess my question for you is, do you have any interest in those types of quarterbacks this week? Jared Goff at 5,800 in a good potential shootout there you have you know Justin Fields at home against the terrible Houston team you got Tom Brady I mean at 6k Tua is 6100 in one of the best games on the slate do you have interest in any of these you know cheaper quarterbacks I mean the thing that I have the most interest in is you never bringing up Justin Fields name on this podcast again to, to be completely honest with you this man has 29 pass attempts through two weeks this Bears team is an absolute disgrace uh, definitely. Yeah, no weren't, weren't you touting Justin, Justin Fields in tournaments the other week? That doesn't sound like something I would do. Oh, I, I only plug okay. winning plays. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Got you. Um, I mean, so Kirk Cousins is interesting. I think he's going to project really well, but he's priced up at 6,700, kind of hard to jump on an elevated price tag Kirk Cousins following his absolutely abysmal performance last week. But that was kind of to be expected, I think, following uh, any sort of primetime performance with Kirk. Other than Kirk Tua's certainly interesting. I wonder how steamed his ownership gets after last week. If it's held in check, I, I would be interested in Tua for sure. There's definitely shootout potential on both sides of the ball. That game could get out of control quickly in Buffalo and Miami. Other than that, I don't think I want to go 
towards the bottom of the bin this week. It's just so unlikely, I think, that we're going to repetitively see throughout the course of the season these sub-6K quarterbacks be true difference makers when the guys at the top are so strong, and especially this week when they're in relatively good spots too. Yeah, all all of the top quarterbacks seem like they're in very good fantasy spots, so I would definitely agree for tournaments this week. You're probably limiting your player pool to like guys like Joe Burrow and uh, maybe yeah. if you want you can include Stafford in there but yeah I wouldn't really touch any of these cheaper quarterbacks and that's what the trends suggest as well especially if you are playing in those large field tournaments uh the the winners in the top 100 lineups are spending up at quarterback at a higher rate than the field so that completely checks out to me all right moving on to running back it's a relatively interesting week for running back on DraftKings. none of the top guys really stand out and i don't think they're going to be super popular i think people will choose to spend money elsewhere this week which is going to have us focusing in on the mid-range i think leonard fournette at 6500 is going to end up being the highest owned most chalky running back on this slate when it's all said and done yeah i mean leonard fournette as it stands right now has played on 81 percent of the tampa bay snaps which is third in the nfl of every single running back he's second in the nfl in total touches and obviously the pass catching upside hasn't been there to start the season so far with two catches and back-to-back games but we obviously know that he can be a factor in the passing game and with Mike Evans being suspended Chris Godwin is out some of the other wide receivers are banged up you know they had to go out and sign Cole Beasley as an insurance policy this week I think Leonard Fournette is going to be a huge factor in this spot against the Bucks at home as favorites obviously the total in this game is disgustingly low which is uh surprising to see in an Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady matchup but when you look at the teams obviously uh they're, they're not great as they currently stand, but Leonard Fournette nonetheless does stand out as the play this week at running back when you take into account everything I just said, and then you take into account just the overall context of the running back position and the slate in general. Um, you're most likely going to be playing two running backs in cash this week, and you're most likely going to be playing two running backs below 6,500. Yeah, it just seems really unreasonable to get up any higher than that, although some plays do look interesting. Joe Mixon and Dalvin Cook stand out to me at the high end, but that may end up being more of a tournament play for cash outside of Fournette. Again, just this this slate in general is relatively weak. Nobody stands out as a clear-cut monster RB2 play. I think that Antonio Gibson and David Montgomery in the mid-range will draw some interest this week for sure. Yeah, Antonio Gibson at 6,400, I mean... You know, back-to-back games with 15-plus touches, he is a factor in the receiving game, which is good to see to start the year. Uh, This Eagles and Washington game has a total of 47.5, which is one of the highest on the slate. And we obviously know that the Eagles are most likely going to put up points and score in this game. And, you know, the the Washington uh, commanders are going to have to respond. So, don't mind Antonio Gibson. David Montgomery obviously isn't sexy by any stretch, but he has 37 total touches through the first two weeks of the year, which is top 10 in the league. He has a 21% target share, which is second out of every running back in the entire NFL, just behind Javante Williams. And David Montgomery has played on 71% of the Bears' total snaps, which is top seven in the NFL as well. So you're getting a running back that, you know, is 
not coming off the field. He's involved in the passing game, even if it is, you know, a pretty non-existent passing game and you're getting touches out of him and he's 5,900. So I think just price included, David Montgomery is probably going to be the guy that that people go to this week. Yeah, I I could see it. I want to take just a couple of those numbers with some context, like the target share looks good for David Montgomery, but this team is so adverse to passing. He's still outside the top 20 in running back targets and in actual total targets. So the role isn't as solid as it may seem from like a target share perspective in terms of what he does as a pass catcher. But if we're if we're committed to the idea that this Bears offense is going to refuse to pass this way, then we have to think the offense is going to run through Montgomery. He's interesting at 5,900. I just, on a slate like this, am, am cautious, I guess, with what games I want to get exposure to. But it isn't just David Montgomery that's going to be popular in this game. I think Damian Pierce as well at 5K will draw some interest. We saw the usage in the Texans' backfield shift a lot more heavily towards Damian Pierce last week after being a disappointment. In week one, ended up playing 62% of the snaps and relegating Burkhead to only four snaps total in that game. So Damian Pierce at 5K could be some salary uh, salary relief in a slate that we want to pay up at quarterback and receiver, but that also feels relatively thin to me. Yeah, but I mean, on a slate like this, you're going to have to make thin play somewhere, you know? It's just... yeah the context of the entire slate. You're not going to feel good about every single one of your plays. I mean, that goes for every week. You're never going to feel good about the players that you are playing in cash every single week. That's just the name of the game. That's just something you have to live with if you want to be a cash game bro, period. And at 5K, obviously the game environment, dog water, 40 and a half total. The Bears do have a 21 and a half implied team total, which fun fact is higher than the Bucks, so can't really use that argument for talking, you know, about uh, you know the Bears and David Montgomery. The Texans are right there at 19, but at 5K, Damian Pierce. I think that out of all of these cheap running backs, you are going to get the most touches out of him. Is his realistic outcome probably like 15 carries for 80 yards and two catches? That's probably what you're going to get out of him. But at 5K, you really need like 12 to 13 points and he's not killing you. And and I think in this spot, in a game where the Texans could potentially win against this abysmal Bears team, even in Chicago, I, I don't mind Damian Pierce at 5K. I guess the question is like, how would you compare him to maybe... I don't know, Rashad Penny for 100 less, who has the lead role in, in Seattle, another equally atrocious offense. And and Miles Sanders for 500 more at 5,500 seems good. He does have the lead role in Philly's backfield, although still only playing roughly 50% of snaps per week and correlates pretty negatively with Jalen Hurts, who's going to be the popular cash option. Yeah, that's really the uh, problem with playing Sanders is if you're playing Jalen Hurts, you're probably not playing both which is why you're probably going to Damian Pierce at 5K. And I think like right now, as it stands, like Pierce and, and Miles Sanders' roles are pretty much the same. Uh, maybe yeah, Sanders you're, is you're a, just looking at a touchdown difference in terms of team total uh, that, that yeah, makes it a yeah. uh, concern. Uh, yeah, obviously the Eagles team in general is so much more fantasy friendly. 
But in terms of players and their roles on their offenses, very similar roles, in my opinion, that is uh, with Damian Pierce and Miles Sanders, you're getting a $500 discount. In terms of Rashad Penny at 4900 it's obviously tough to play him because the Seahawks have just been bad over the last two weeks and we haven't seen him do much. Uh, you know, he has, what, 10 total fantasy points through two weeks, which is obviously disappointing. But you have a home-favored running back in Seattle they have a 22 implied team total which I mean we just talked about was higher than you know the Bucks, the Packers and some other teams on the slate and Rashad Penny we obviously know he has slate breaking upside and he is cheap and I'm definitely interested in him in tournaments but I would probably prefer Damian Pierce because I think Kenneth Walker is definitely more of a factor than Rex Burkhead as it currently stands yeah that all checks out To me, in terms of tournaments, how viable do you think paying up for the high ceiling plays are this week? Jonathan Taylor, 9K, Christian McCaffrey, 8.8, Henry, 8.1, Eckler, 8. Yeah, I mean, all of these running backs are in very, very good spots. They're just going to go under owned because the wide receivers have just been so much better this year. As an early, you know, tournament discussion, we'll have more thoughts on Saturday. Make sure you check out the Saturday night live stream, which is popping. I think that the the tournament strategy you could implement is just paying up at running back when everybody else is going to be paying down and then paying down to maybe some cheaper options at wide receiver and fading the top guys. But saying that, I mean, just just kind of puts a sour taste in my mouth. I don't want to do that. But that build specifically is probably going to be a high leverage build this week. Yeah, no, absolutely. From a leverage perspective, that makes a ton of sense. But the wide receiver pool, especially at the top, is absolutely loaded this week. Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Steph Diggs, Tyreek Hill, all on the main slate out 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 of this group i think that digs is going to be the one that emerges in terms of being major chalk you're getting just a massive discount 7700 that's 2.2k lower than cooper cup and i mean frankly we can call it what it is it's just the monday night football discount if if digs had his monster 47 point game 12 catches 148 yards and three touchdowns on the main slate he would not be priced this way so just a clear cut discrepancy and and I guess we just have to take advantage of on DraftKings this week. Yeah, I mean, Diggs has 7,700, definitely stands out for sure, 1 million percent. I think that it's going to be interesting to see where the ownership projections shake out with these top wide receivers because I think a lot of these guys are great plays. I think a lot of them are going to project very well. I think Diggs, as an early look, I think... I would have him one, and then I would have a Monra St. Brown right behind him in terms of chalk at 7,200. A Monra St. Brown is second in the NFL out of every wide receiver, even above Diggs, in terms of target share uh, at 33.8%. Diggs is at 32.4%, obviously both elite target shares. And we talked about Amon Ra quite a bit on our recap podcast on Monday, and he's just a very good fantasy receiver. He's in a very similar game environment to Stephon Diggs. You're getting a $500 discount. So I think a lot of lineups are going to have both of these players in them this week. And he's like, He's the cover boy for fantasy Twitter, is how I would put it. Everybody loves Amon Ross St. Brown. 
how could you blame him? I mean, this dude is is the picture perfect definition of consistency. All he does is put up points week in and week out. That is facts. I, I mean, I think Amonra stands out. Amonra is going to be popular even with the elevated price tag. We talked on the Monday podcast about how the days of sub 7K Amonra St. Brown were over. We see that actualized with his $7,200 price tag, but it isn't just him and Diggs. You know, Tyreek Hill priced at 7,600 stands out as well. And I can't help but think that he's going to be a very popular option this week in Miami. Yeah, I think that he's obviously going to project very well. I think that Diggs is going to project a little bit better. I think Amon Ross St. Brown is going to project a little bit better because he's $400 cheaper. So I think that Tyreek Hill isn't going to be overly owned, but I don't think he's going to be like anywhere near 5%. I think if we're if we're looking at the the players that I think are going to be a little bit lower owned in this top range, I think it's AJ Brown just because he's sandwiched in between those three guys at 7,300, I think it's going to be Jamar Chase and Devontae Adams just because both of those guys are sandwiched in between Diggs, Jefferson, and Cup. So if I had to rank it right now in terms of cash, rankings would be one Diggs, two Amon Ross St. Brown, three, personally, I would have Justin Jefferson, four, Tyreek Hill. That's how I would rank it for cash. What did Cooper Cup ever do to you, man? All, all this dude does is put up 30 spots. And you never want to give him respect. You never want to call him they just top five him. wide receiver in the NFL. You never want to play him in cash. You just can't get there at, at 9,900, especially on this slate. You just can't, you can't get there. No, I mean, he he's just nearly 4Xing that every week. How could you play that? How could you? <laughs> no, I mean, Cup is definitely in play in tournaments. It's just going to be hard to uh, make lineups with him in it <laughs> this week. That's yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, unless you're punting off Penny and Pierce in the same lineup, which yeah. who knows? That That's the type of shit that wins Millie's these days, just punting off running back. But that's a conversation for another time. Largely, I think that after you get below Amon Ross St. Brown and maybe Michael Pittman to a lesser extent at 6,900, a lot of the mid-range is going to be where we find our low-owned, high-leverage plays because... Just again, the nature of where people are going to pay up, they're going to be looking at the top receivers and then they're going to be looking for value as well. Some popular value plays I think could include Devontae Smith, Curtis Samuel, Jacoby Myers in that low 5k range. Yeah, I think Curtis and Jacoby definitely stand out. Curtis has 20 targets through two weeks. Jacoby has 19 targets. You don't got to tell me twice about playing my fucking boy, Jacoby Myers. Just an underrated wide receiver in the NFL. He's a target earner. Best wide receiver on the Patriots by far, in my opinion. You know, the Patriots are three-point underdogs at home. So if you get a positive game script for the pass catchers, I think Jacoby is going to eat and then we also touch on the Ravens having a bunch of injuries on the recap episode as well it's going to be interesting to see uh, whether or not those players are out in the secondary but that that would bode well for Jacoby Um, and then you have Devontae Smith right there at 5200 can't forget him definitely a very good play then if we go a little bit lower you know you have your Russell Gage at 4700 the Bucks have you know a ton of injured wide receivers and Mike Evans is obviously suspended. What a douchebag. Shout out Mike Evans. <laughs> um, and then Chris Olave at 4,500, I think, is going to have some ownership as well. Yeah. I mean, can we just, just talk about Olave for a second? He had 334 air yards in, in week two. And, 
you know, for reference, that's more than any single wide receiver had in a regular season game last season. In fact, there was only one game last year where somebody had over 300 air yards total, and it was Marquise Brown in week seven, Chris Olave. It's going to happen. You know, the old the old meme where Jameis uh, is setting up to throw and it's fuck it, Chris Godwin or, or Mike Evans is down there somewhere. Well, now it's fuck it, Chris Olave is down there somewhere. And it's only a matter of time until these two connect for a mm. monster game. The targets were there last year, 13 targets for Olave. At 4,500, he is a very clear standout play to me if you're looking for value and high mm-hmm. upside. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I, I think he'll be a little bit popular on a slate where uh, you might need to play one or two of these wide receivers. Other than that, I don't I don't know what else is too interesting at wide receiver. We can talk about some of our favorite tournament plays in a moment here at tight end. I'm, I mean, you know that you know the drill. We got to save salary on this slate, so we're punting it off. It looks like there are going to be some interesting and popular options in the mid range. Tyler Higby at forty five hundred, T J Hawkinson at 4200 but for cash games that's just too rich for my blood hmm. so i think we need to look a little bit lower yeah you you got to pay down this week especially this week uh, as we've been saying the entire podcast it's a tight week uh, in terms of salary so we're looking to you know the low 3k's i think the player that stands out to me the most is definitely irv smith he's 3100 had a dud in week one didn't play that much comes back in week two has a good game puts up what like 14 points also had a huge dropped pass i don't know if you saw that if you were watching the oh, game. oh yeah Uh, Yeah, so also had a huge drop pass and had some blunders, but it looks like he's now going to be out there running routes, one of the highest total games on the slate. And at 3,100, you're just getting, you know, an upside tight end that that was like a 12th round pick in best ball this week on on a week where we need to save some salary. If you don't want to play him, I, I think the other tight end I would consider. And that range is Jawan Johnson at 2,900. Uh, Jawan Johnson is, you know, coming off seven targets last week, put up eight points at 2,900. You're fine with eight to nine points. And he looks like he's getting targets in this offense and he's running a ton of routes. He's playing on pretty much every passing down snap. He's literally only being employed to go out there, run routes and, and catch passes. So Jawan Johnson at 2,900 or Irv Smith at 3,100 are the cash game tight ends, in my opinion. And you're probably playing Irv Smith because he's going to project better than Juwan Johnson. Yeah, and and Irv Smith, it's kind of the same situation, I think, as Diggs, where we're getting the Monday night football discount. The salaries were already released, so DraftKings was still pricing him based off of his dud performance from week one, not accounting for the eight targets and touchdown that he scored on Monday night football. And again, with Irv, I don't even think that we're up to where we're going to get with him. Like he only played 56% of snaps in week two. That was up from 31% in week one. So while the snaps are still growing, the target rate is very high. Number sixth in the league at the tight end position for rate of targets based on the amount of snaps that he's playing. So, you know, if we're getting full-time Irv and he's getting eight eight targets in a game where he's playing half the snaps. I just, I think the upside is really high and the price is right. Minnesota's tied for the second highest implied team total on the slate. I don't really need to consider much more than that when I'm looking at a $3,100 tight end this week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Irv Smith is the play. The only other name I want to throw out there that I, I would consider viable is Logan Thomas. He seems to be, I mean, once again, this season going to be perpetually underpriced. DraftKings just refuses to put any respect mm-hmm. on this man's name, but it's going to be a, a, a good 
spot for him with uh, Washington trying to keep pace with Philly, and he's getting at least five targets per game so far and appears to be fully yeah. healthy from his recovery standpoint. Yeah, I definitely don't mind Logan Thomas, but I, I think the $400 does make a difference on this slate. So definitely prefer Irv Smith. I don't mind Logan Thomas in, in tournaments as a pivot there. He probably is going to come in with like half of Irv Smith's ownership. For sure. Definitely a good tournament pivot off of Irv and can correlate in Jalen Hurts stuff as well. Let's transition to tournaments leverage stacks and long shots joey how are you planning to get leverage on the field this week yeah so obviously it's early that's why i advise everybody to tune into our saturday night live stream if you're listening to this at 10 p.m eastern on saturday where we will have some more concrete thoughts and opinions especially around tournaments Uh, as the projections and ownership begins to shake out and we have the most information possible. Okay, that's first and foremost. Good disclaimer. In tournaments this week, what I like to do is, you know, I'm, I'm Xing a lot of teams out of the player pool, 100%. I'm not stacking mm, most of the teams on this slate. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm just, I'm not stacking the Bucks. I'm not stacking the fucking Seahawks or Jags or Falcons or Jets or Patriots or whomever. So I'm doing that. Texans, Panthers. There's a lot of teams that that I would I'm doing that immediately. Green Bay, include them. I'm not stacking any of them. I am condensing the player pool. I am targeting teams that I know are probably going to pass at a pretty high rate and have kind of a consolidated offense. So I think those offenses that stand out to me, definitely the Dolphins. And as it stands right now, the Dolphins are passing at a 67% rate. It's only two weeks, small sample size, but that's fourth in the league. Then we obviously have the shootout potential. So if you're going to get that two a double again at the same ownership, I think that's definitely in play for sure. I definitely love the Bengals. I will just continue to lose money until they turn it around. So Joe Burrow doubles for sure. Joe Burrow, 6,600, going to go under own. Same with Jamar Chase. T. Higgins might have some ownership because they continuously price him down a little bit, but he's 6,100. This is just an eruption spot, in my opinion, for a struggling Bengals team against this Jets secondary that is just getting absolutely dusted to start the season. So Dolphins, Bengals, and then obviously the the top teams I'm I'm stacking up as well. But yeah, I, I would say right now, Bengals double stack is my favorite stack for tournaments. I, I agree. I, I like the the Burrow stuff. Does it bother you at all that he deleted Twitter and Instagram from his phone? The, the pressure appears to be getting to him. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's a good thing. I think that social media is just, it's great, obviously, because, you know, it allows you to connect with people you may have never connected with before it allows you to build an audience and you know maybe get a job in an industry that you might not have been able to get into before it allows us to to do this podcast right and right and uh, spread our thoughts but it's also one of the worst inventions of all time period anybody who disagrees is ignorant quite mm. frankly you know obviously sports show but there's so much data about how social media affects people and whatnot and it's just toxic so i don't blame him at all i don't blame him at all he's focused he's not looking at the critics and people who have never played a snap of football in their life he's not worried about their opinions um and he's just focused on the game he's focused on turning this team around and i th- i think they get i think they get the job done this week against the Jets. All right, solid uh, societal analysis there, as well as a little 
smidge of football in there. And, and I do agree. I think that this is an eruption spot for Joe Burrow. I think that Jamar Chase is going to be one of the best ownership leverage plays on the slate as he should be the least owned of the top five highest price wide receivers. So all good stuff there. I think that one of the ways that I plan to get leverage is sort of what you referenced earlier in the show, which is getting exposure to price ranges that are going to get overlooked. So for example, Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey, I think both go under own this week for their potential ceilings, especially coming off of two disappointing weeks for the duo. Everybody's going to be focusing on paying up at wide receiver and quarterback. So just by flipping the build, you're definitely going to get some unique stuff there. And that sort of pairs with even more of a contrarian build as it'll push you down at wide receiver away from these popular top tier options. And there's plenty of ceiling in the mid range. You know, Mike Williams, 6,700. I don't think that he gets steamed despite bouncing back in that week two game. Terry McLaurin stands out as a phenomenal play to me once again. Gabriel Davis, Christian Kirk in the mid-range, all sorts of ceiling that you can find at different positions and tight end as well. I I know it's going to be extremely popular to pay down. That's what I'll be doing in cash, but Kyle Pitts has now fallen below 5K. Travis Kelsey back on the slate, priced extremely high, 7,900. Kelsey almost 8K, but we know the ceiling is unreal. Andrews, always a threat to break the slate. So my main leverage strategy this week is just going to be flipping the build and getting into price ranges at positions that I think make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, especially a wide receiver, there's there's a lot of ceiling, you know, in that high 5K, low 6K range. You know, you have your Hollywood Brown, Christian Kirk at 6,200. You know, you have your Brandon Cooks at 5,800. Drake London at 5,800. Rashad Bateman at 57. Juju at 5,500. And a lot of these guys are are top of the NFL in terms of target share. You know, Drake London is fifth in the NFL in target share, if you did not know that, Ben. Yeah, Um, that's crazy. At at 32%. And he's 5,800 in a plus matchup against the Seahawks and even Tyler Lockett same price as Drake London 5800 Tyler Lockett has a 25% target share and the Seahawks for some reason under Geno Smith if you have to guess where they rank in terms of pass rate where would you expect them to be through two weeks I would expect them to be I mean bottom 10 yeah they're seventh Jesus Christ they're at a 65% pass rate to start the year and there's reports about letting Geno even just rip it some more you think so they're gonna let Gino cook but they never let Russ cook (laughs) yeah I saw some tweets that uh said pretty much like the reason why that is is you know after the that blunder against the Patriots in the Super Bowl Pete Carroll has just been done with Russell ever since then I mean if he keeps playing like this Hackett's gonna be done with him soon too but that's (laughs) a that's a conversation for another time Yeah, so nonetheless, um, a lot of ceiling and a lot of target opportunity available in the mid-range at wide receiver. I think this is definitely a four-wide receiver week. Uh, but just touching on some of the running backs that we didn't talk about, you know, you could definitely go CMC this week or Eckler or Delvin Cook or Joe Mixon or Aaron Jones or, or somebody like that. Even DeAndre Swift at 7,200. I think a lot of these running backs are just going to come in under-owned and they obviously have slight breaking upside. So I want to make some lineups this week where I am flipping the build that way and playing one or two of these high-priced running backs and fading the, the high-priced wide receivers as as stupid as that sounds it does but at least with some of these receivers there are direct 
leverage yeah. pivots that you can make. You know, I mean, Jamar Chase, maybe not a good example since Higgins will be way higher owned, but off digs, Gabriel Davis is available. He shouldn't draw too much ownership. People haven't seen anything out of Thielen this far, so you can go that way off of Jefferson. I, I just think that there are ways that you can go that make it make sense. Yeah. And you know, the, what I thought you were going to say is like all of these high price wide receivers have running back counterparts that are direct leverage as well. You know? Yes, that too. That too. Justin Jefferson is 9,300. Delvin Cook, at 7900 is is the pivot off Je- off Jefferson if you know De- Delvin Cook comes in a little bit under own you know you have Joe Mixon as leverage off of T Higgins and Jamar Chase depending on that ownership right and then you have DeAndre Swift as leverage off of Amon Ross St. Brown they're both the same price both of them should come in relatively under own we'll have to wait and see on Michael Pittman's ownership but you know you could you could go JT obviously a little bit more pricey but you might be able to get some leverage there so th- there there are some you know leverage running backs in the same off offenses as these high-priced wide receivers that you could pivot to and just hope that the game script uh, works in your favor. Absolutely. In terms of stacks, I feel like we've already sort of hit that on the head. I mean, I'm still going to be stacking the shit out of Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. I think that, I mean, you can build lineups around those two guys in contrarian ways. So I'm not going to be trying to get off of them by any means. Of course, we'll have some interest in the other top quarterbacks that can separate at the position and Joe Burrow as well. Is there anybody else that you want to mention in terms of stacks? Yeah, I mean, just you want to win money, you stack the Bills, you stack (laughs) the Chiefs, you stack the Chargers, and that's it. You you sail to the money? (laughs) And you win. That's it. That's all you have to do. I got to make sure I listen to this back because I'll start stacking the fucking Washington Commanders or the Lions or some shit. You could stack Justin Herbert and Mike Williams and Gerald Everett. You could stack Patrick Mahomes and Juju and another wide receiver or even Travis Kelsey. That's going to be an unknown stack right there. The Chiefs are going to be an unknown stack in week three, Ben. Yeah, and and we know what that means. You you don't even have to say another word. <laughs> They're going to be unowned with the third highest implied team total in the game with the third highest total on the slate. Yeah, and then two of the higher ceiling bring backs on the other side of the ball in the league. Yeah, you give, give me all that. I want all of it. <laughs> yeah, so if you're if you're listening, just stack the Chiefs, stack the Chargers at home against the Jacks, <laughs> stack the fucking Bengals against the Jets, and just hope that they actually do their job. I mean, a lot of the team, a lot of the the stacks that I've ran so far this year, they haven't done their job. Mm. But I think this week, I think this week is the week where these high-powered offenses are actually going to score points. I mean, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Can't keep having Joe Flacco, Jared Goff, and Carson Wentz break slates. That just, it just ain't right. It just ain't right. Let's talk about some of our favorite long shots, Joey. Give me a low-owned play that you're interested in firing off into some tournaments this week. I think this one is injury dependent, but maybe his teammates does play. You will even get lower ownership, but that's Mike Williams at 6,700. Love it. Projecting for around, you know, 3 to 4% right now. Um, nobody's going to play Mike Williams this week. The Chargers, obviously one of the best teams in the NFL. You know that they are going to pass the ball a ton. There's actually a ton of money on the Jags spread right now. So betters actually do like the Jags to keep this game close, although the total has been bet down three points, which is you know kind of interesting. Uh, but nonetheless, the Chargers have a 27.25 implied team total, fourth highest on the slate, and kind of similar to 
two, the Chiefs, nobody is going to play this Chargers stack. So, you know, you got your Herbert, Mike Will, Gerald Everett route, you know, already built in for you with a nice Christian Kirk bring back in. There you go. Yeah, I'm I'm super down with that. One of the long shots that I like, Joey, I mean, it makes me sick to my stomach to even throw this out there. And I may, I, I, I don't know, this is tough. It's tough with how bad this team looks, the Tennessee Titans. But there is a player on this slate that we know has a 50 spot in his range of outcomes. He is going to be, God, what, 2% owned, if that. Derrick Henry, the big dog. I think that we're just getting to the point where people are going to start counting him out. And 8100 is a ridiculous price tag. It's not going to project well, but neither did Nick Chubb last week, and he was the RB1 overall on the slate. So Derrick Henry at 8,100, just taking a shot. You know, I don't have too much respect for the Raiders defense at this point. Just gotta bet on the talent, right? Like Big Dog is gonna have one of these games soon, right? Like it's not outside of his range. 203 coming for Derrick Henry in week three. What do we think? I mean, it's definitely possible. Is it likely? Probably not uh, with the way that this Titans offense is playing and he's not involved at all in the passing game. He doesn't even have the same role that he had in his first eight games last year, which is interesting to say the least, because I don't understand what the problem is, like with getting your best players the ball, no matter how that is. Like, why don't they give this man like three to four catches a game, like scripted catches, you know? Just see what he can do with it. Like, bro, this man is a fucking behemoth of a human being. Give him a couple screen passes and see what the fuck he can do. What are you doing? (laughs) Just incompetence all around the NFL, just in terms of how players are used. But at home, mildly average Raiders defense. I mean, I could definitely see Derrick Henry putting up 30 plus in this spot for sure. This is when you want to play him when he's 2% owned and it's going to be in a high leverage roster construction. You don't want to play him when everybody's on, him. you know, it's always a scary fade on Derrick Henry chalk weeks, but These are the tournament spots to attack with a player like Henry. Any other long shots that you want to throw out there? (sighs) I mean, it's early. Don't we don't really know how ownership is is going to shake out yet? So uh, yeah, just uh, make sure you tune into some of the content later in the week. Yep, we'll have my top five GPP plays of the week Friday morning. Joey's cash game video will be on the YouTube channel on Thursday, and of course the late night live stream every Saturday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Do not want to miss that. It is absolute vibes, Joey. And that I think will be it for episode 249 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Dose Media Net, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey is at Joey Carrion DFS. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with what is going on within the network, join the inner circle via our free Discord channel. You can find the link to that in the show notes to the podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Bye.